You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast, and just immediately I am going to pull back the curtain. It is 1027 Eastern here. The AFC Championship game just ended. We now know for certain that New England and the Rams are going to meet in Super Bowl 53. Both championship games went to overtime. Insane. It, obviously, it's not my normal Sunday, so I'm not exactly sure when this will get to your earbuds and all those things. But what I can tell you is Mark Schofield, the <laughs> the host of Locked on Patriots, is here with me, and this game just happened. Give me an immediate reaction, brother. Matt, like I said before you hit record, you were going to ask me some questions about this game, and I'm not positive I can give you right. answers. What we saw was just indescribable. It right. was literally indescribable. You had Tom Brady making some mistakes in that game. You had the Patriots do what they did back in week six was get on top of Kansas City, get out to a double-digit lead at halftime, make it seem like, look, everything was going to go their way. Of course, Patrick Mahomes and company, they make some great halftime adjustments. They get some downfield throws. They get Tyree Kill involved. They get Travis Kelsey involved. And these two teams were just like two heavyweight fighters at the end. This was like one of those endings to the early Rockies where you've just got like Creed and Rocky just throwing haymakers at the middle of the rain like you never really see in a heavyweight fight because these teams just went back and forth and back and forth. And when the Patriots scored to take the lead at the end of regulation, you knew they left too much time. I mean, 42 seconds with Patrick Mahomes and his arm is just an eternity, an absolute eternity. And, of course, they go right down the field, and they had a chance to win the game. They settle for the field goal, and it comes down to a coin flip. It's almost upsetting as a football fan that Mahomes and that offense didn't get a chance in overtime. Right. But as a Patriots guy, I'm okay with that because they would probably go down the field and score. Yeah, it's funny because – I've told my audience this before. I'm on a text thread with about 20 dudes that I all went to high school with. We're all super close. My phone blows up all day, especially during sporting events or a Pens game or whatever. And the last thing I wrote to those guys was, whoever wins a coin flip is going dancing. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed that obvious that the season came down to those two teams. They had figured out each other's defenses. They both were rolling. They both were confident elite quarterbacks, elite offensive minds, that it comes down to a coin flip. Yeah, and what it was eerily reminiscent, and obviously the regular, you know, regulation script played out differently, but that comeback against Atlanta, that overtime drive that the Patriots had in that game, because they just went right down the field against Atlanta. In this one, you know, they had some third downs. I mean, you're seeing Edelman with a big third down catch. You're seeing Gronkowski with a third down catch. I mean, if you had told me when this season started that in overtime of the AFC Championship game, the Patriots would be throwing, you know, X ISO back, you know, band eight routes to Patterson. <laughs> right drive and that Rex Burkhead would be the featured back I would have told you that some crazy injuries must have happened man if that's what we're seeing but those were the guys that they were featured down the stretch and Burkhead had a touchdown run and Patterson's you know getting two targets on that drive it was crazy it's going to take oh thank god we have that bye week because I'm going to need a bye week to just sort of decompress after what we just saw yeah yeah I think you're probably 100% right um 
don't quote me, but I think they converted on third and ten three times in overtime, correct? I think they did. And again, folks, this people, just happened. So I, I mean, saw yeah. some people tweeted about that. I know like Arif Hassan, for example, he tweeted that they had three third and tens on that drive. And I know one was to Gronk, one was to Edelman. Let me double check Maybe my one notes to, here. Yeah, I got it. Um, they had a third and nine, a third and ten, and a third and ten. Wow. And they converted all of them. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, it really felt like to me, and again, we haven't rewatched this game. It just happened. And, and Romo's so good, and he laid this out really oh, well. Yes. And two things were, first of all, kind of like you said, they don't have much in the way of receivers. <laughs> you know, I mean, no. if Cordell Patterson's out there, and he's probably a step off in his route, you know, we don't know that for sure, and Brady's kind of shaking his head, but that's all you got. And Gronk, I mean, even on the one where Romo calls it, where Gronk splits out left and, uh, oh, they're going to go to Gronk on an ISO. It's like, yeah, but Gronk ain't what he used to be. You know, I mean, he still made a great play, but wow. But it felt like to me all game that, and Romo laid this out well too, that if they had big bodies in the game on defense, they were going to attack the middle field with quick hitting routes, you know, White, Edelman, those type of guys. And if the Chiefs were lighter up front, they were going to pound them with big people. And it was almost just that simple. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, this was this is kind of the game plan. This is kind of the offense that the Patriots have become in the last half of the season. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, partly because, look, they don't have, like you said, they don't have a bunch of guys on the, they can put on the boundaries that they can throw to that can stretch the field deep down the field or anything like that. So they come out of 21 personnel and they will run the football if you go light or even if you don't, they'll still try to attack it and set up some of that, you know, Y cross or, you know, Z cross stuff that they do working off of play action. And I thought, Matt, it was fitting that on the decisive play, the final touchdown, it was James Devlin sort of paving the road because Devlin has been and I've talked about him here and elsewhere and on my show, you know, such an unsung hero for this offense and we saw him getting a, a catch on a swing route, you know, wheel route to the fullback out of the backfield. I mean, this game literally had – we saw an overtime final drive where the offense attempted a flea flicker. I mean, I don't know what else you could say about this game <laughs> know, other than to say, good. look, like we just saw that. And Talk about the Stones the to do game. that too, though, the confidence I mean, in the you – know. yeah. I mean, to, to call that in that situation, I mean, that's one of those plays where you have like the utmost trust in your quarterback that look and you're running back. I mean, White's got to get that and make the pitch. I mean, the, the onions to make that call, the onions that we saw today. I mean, even the early game with, you know, Peyton going forward and fake punts, McVeigh. If this was a very good day of football, perhaps we saw a little bit too much or too little officiated particularly at the end of that nfc yeah. championship game right but and this one was if, wasn't one i mean it was in the official hands a little too much yes yeah, it, it was yeah. but at the same time look i mean calls went both ways you, you could talk about them people will talk about them until the end of time but we saw two very entertaining games both go to overtime and you probably can't ask for much more than that one other note i mean i hope doesn't get washed away was how impressive and how difficult it is for any team, you know, and we've seen the Patriots do these kind of things. We take it for granted. Walk into Kansas City in that environment and dominate the beginning of the game. I mean, it was almost, oh, if Brady doesn't throw the pick to Raglan, I mean, they run away with it maybe. I mean, they yeah. dominated the first half. Yeah, I mean, the game started, you know, the way the Patriots wanted this to, the way Patriots oh, yeah. fans wanted this game to start. You have that ball control drive. You milk seven, eight minutes off the clock. You go right down the field and score. And then you've got a chance to take a 14 nothing lead early. Or just if Brady does, 
the smart thing and hit somebody in the fifth row with that throw instead of throwing it right to Raglan. It's mm-hmm. at least ten nothing, you know. And then you get the Dorsett touchdown. Maybe it's seventeen nothing, twenty one nothing at halftime. And you, like you said, Matt, they could have run away with it. But you know, they made some mistakes. Situational football is always a staple of Belichick. And while it was still good at times, they still did some things that I'm sure Belichick is going to look at when he looks back at this game and says, you know, we need to be better here. We need to be smarter here. But to go into Arrowhead, that environment, you know, that kind of game, that kind of atmosphere, that kind of offense to go up against and come out with a win. I mean, that just shows you what this team can be is capable of and is made of. Yeah, I want to talk to you sometime before the Super Bowl. I'm not even talk Pat's Rams tonight. I mean, let's just recap the amazing day that happened. But let's end this on pass rush. I'm pretty sure zero sacks for the Chiefs. They led the league in sacks this year, by the way, and they're doubly dangerous at home. And I was dead wrong. I thought because of Watkins being healthy, the threat of Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill, I think, had one catch, that we might see a lot of three-man rushes and a lot of flooding the zones with eight defenders. But they came after Mahomes. They did. And, you know, I I was sort of surprised by that because if you looked at sort of the the division around game, you'd have thought, look, they got after Rivers, but I don't think you want to pressure Mahomes as much because he can do the things in the scramble draw situation. But they came after him. They said, look, we're going to come after him. Mm -hmm. We're going to force him to make some quick throws. We're going to get him off his spot. We're going to force him to speed up his thought process. And it worked. You know, he missed some throws. He had some overthrows. He had the running back on a wheel route that could have been six early in the game. You saw Travis Kelsey with the arms raised. You thought it was going to go for six and he overthrew it. You know, so there were some opportunities that they had that were influenced by pressure. I think, you know, it sounds a little bit silly to say this, given the fact that this game went to overtime and they, you know, they still put up, you know, 31 points, but Belichick's game plan was pretty impressive on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you have an undrafted rookie free agent cornerback, J.C. Jackson, shadowing Travis Kelsey to start the game. I mean, they were doing stuff that not many people expected, and it paid off at least early to slow them down. And like we saw back in week six, get on top of them, get that two-digit lead, and just hold on and survive. Yeah, and and one more pass rushing note. It seemed like the Patriots had a very distinct pass-rushing plan. And that's a term you hear more now, that, yeah, they twisted and stunted to get some interior pressure, but to flush Mahomes towards a defender where they know he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot with sort of the double, you know, tackle end exchanges to really sort of force him to climb and then get those loopers coming in there. Um, They did it a couple of times and it worked. They got a couple of sacks off of it. You know, Mahomes, for all the great things that he does as a quarterback, he could seriously go on to be, you know, up there with the Brady's and everybody else when he's done. You know, he needs to learn at times to move around in the pocket just a little bit better. You know, he took some big sacks, like 13, you know, 14, 17-yard losses. You know, one that kept him out of field goal range, and they were forced to punt. And so he does a little bit that. It's hard to say that this guy could even be better, but he could. No, you're right. Uh, Last note, and I heard Mike Lombardi, who's close with Belichick, say this five weeks ago, six weeks ago. And he said, if Belichick takes this talent to the AFC Championship game, Again, this is his best coaching job. Well, they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, this might be Belichick in his finest moment. It it honestly might be because when you look at how they've sort of reconstructed their offense, reconstructed their defense, become, you know, almost a different team than people expected to start the season. You look at some of the talent 
or lack thereof they have at the wide receiver spot, for example. And how Gronk they is a shell themselves. of themselves. Gronk is basically, you could almost say, a, a sixth, an athletic sixth offensive lineman out there. At times. Yeah, good lineman. And, and, and yeah, they're in the they're in the Super Bowl, the chance to win it again. They're in their third straight Super Bowl, and there's not much more you can say about Bill Belichick. And I, I'm not, I'm going to stop trying because it's just so hard to put into words what he has done this season, last season, over the course of his time in New England. Absolutely. Um, that's a wrap, man. I mean, this was fun. We could go on and on. Let's make sure we talk again before the big game. And ahead. maybe we'll do some non-Patriots. And we'll do, we're going to do a lot this off, in this offseason. I've been teasing it a lot. that You and I are going to talk quite a bit. And I'm really looking yep. forward to it. As am I, buddy. But everybody it's needs to tune fun. in. Yeah, everyone needs to tune in to Locked On Patriots from now until kickoff for sure. And, of course, going forward. But that's a wrap. Uh, I'll be back here in a moment. <laughs> Again, pulling back the curtain. I think we're going to get Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Rams. So... Uh, we will see, <laughs> but, and, I'm, and we'll figure out all those things going forward. But I just wanted to get this immediate reaction. I think this is a blast. Take care of yourself, Mark. You too, Matt. Have a great one, bud. Good to be with you. All right, we are back. And we are back, and we've talked a lot with my man, Brad Ma- Matter. I, was ca- I apologize. Sometimes I call you Mater, and it's Brad Matter. I caught myself there. Of Locked on Rams, how are you, dude? I bet you're doing pretty well, too. We're doing good. It's okay. It's my whole life. I've been I bet growing you get up all with the that time. name. It's, <laughs> it's actually it's it's modder. So it's the third one out of oh, all of them. But we're you know what? It doesn't really matter I'm because all I'm feeling. I know I'm feeling awesome. I I'm on a Rams high right now. What a game! What an experience to be down. You know, thirteen three in the first half and storm back and really you know hold them to you know, just 10 points in the second half and come out on top. What a great game. Yeah, I just talked to Mark from Locked On Patriots, and one thing I said was, holy smokes, was it impressive that New England went into that kind of environment and dominated the early portion of the game. And when the Rams didn't, you know, I kind of thought, well, that's how every team, I mean, that's how the world works, (laughs) you know. I mean, teams don't do what the Patriots do and go into, like, the most hostile environments and dominate the game early on. And the Rams didn't. And something you and I have talked about a lot this year is a lot of mental toughness with this team. Like, they don't fold at all. Yeah, no, you nailed it. And I think that's what was really exciting as we talk about them closing out that second half, the big touchdown right at the end to make it a three-point game going into half. But, uh, you know, just, you're right, that mental attitude to be able to ride that first wave. I think... uh, it was the announcer at one point said that this was an avalanche that was hitting the Rams and they were able to withhold that avalanche uh, fight through it. And then the second half kind of, this has been a team all year that has played on adjustments in the second half. Wade Phillips did another great job to only hold them to 10 points again in the second half. But yeah. uh, you know, that mental toughness never really counted themselves out. Uh, McVay talked about that crowd noise that you talked about and said it was unreal. He's never played in any environment like that in his life. Uh, that dome was rocking, and, and it was causing an issue at times, but the Rams were able to uh, make enough plays uh, at the end, and obviously there's some uh, controversy on some of the calls, but you know, a win is a win, and we are walking forward uh, to play in the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Yeah, I want to talk about those two subjects, because I think you sold it a little short as to how much the crowd noise mattered, and I wasn't there. I trust Coach McVay that that was the loudest game he's ever been a part of, as a viewer, it seemed like it had to be the loudest environment of any game I can remember. Where, I mean, like, guards and tackles couldn't talk to each other. Like, they couldn't communicate in the huddle. I mean, that's right. a massive thing to overcome. 
Yeah, you're right. You talked about it. I mean, just you saw Whitworth a handful of times coming back to the play. You even saw right. Jared Goff at one point run all the way out to his far wide receiver, Josh Reynolds, and whispered something into his ear. We ended up wasting a timeout in the second half on that play. Thankfully, uh, they didn't want to take any loss of yardage there. But uh, yeah, you're right. The, the impact of that crowd was amazing. And you could tell multiple times where uh, even players, you know, offense and defense were coming off, kind of doing the old hand over the ear thing and then the shaking the head and the repeat signal like, I got nothing, man. You gotta, you're going to have to write it down. There were a couple plays late in the game where the Rams were able to come to the sideline and get a play and come back out. I thought that was huge for us because in key moments, they were able to have the play that they exactly wanted. Uh, McVay's been criticized for timeouts in the past. I think he did them great in this game. Uh, and then you're right. It takes a couple balls bouncing the right way, a couple big catches, a couple big stops. Our defense was just huge in this game. The whole game, they kept us in it from the get-go. I mean, being able to hold Drew Brees to a couple field goals instead of touchdowns was huge. And then the fake punt uh, that we went to early yeah, in, in, the, in the first half. Uh, those big special teams moment. You always hear about three phases of football. This was definitely the case because if you look at it, you know, the Rams offense didn't play great by any standard. Uh, the special teams definitely pitched in and the defense did. So this was three phases of football to really get this done. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and just one other quick note back to the crowd noise. I mean, Goff even had to like push as hard as he could on his ear holes of his helmet to hear the headset because it's right next to his ears. I mean, it's unbelievable. Let's bring the mood down a little because that non-call to me was a mistake. Um, Even I'm sure the most staunch of Rams fans can't think that that was an acceptable play. It doesn't mean that the game was over, though, if they make that call. I think that's one thing that's going to be overlooked here. Because at that point, I was saying, let them score. You know, I mean, just whoever gets the ball last is going to win. But I do think it's a little bit of a black eye on what was an awesome day of football in the NFL. Yeah, it was a weird ending to the game. I mean, yeah. even that the beginning of that possession, you know, after they had the big catch into the red zone, basically, you think they're going to come out and run the ball. They're going to make us burn all our timeouts. They go for a pass on the first down. They skip it in the dirt, basically, stopping the clock. Uh, they end up throwing again on that possession. Obviously, that pass interference, that was a no call. But uh, there's a couple plays that lead to that. And then you're right. It's I mean, it is kind of a black eye on it. But yeah, there's a lot happens. after that, right? Yeah. yeah they, they kick the field goal. They go ahead. They had all that time to stop the Rams in regulation. Obviously, Zerline kicks the field goal to tie it to go into overtime. And then... You know, after that, they've got a chance in overtime. They get the ball first. They can go down the field. They throw an interception. So there was multiple things past that that led to the defeat. But you're right. At that moment, you know, obviously they think that they can run out the clock and then kick the field goal to win the game. So, yes, it is a big part of the game. But, you know, as they always say after the game and it's over, like, if it's if it wasn't called, it's not a foul. And we're moving forward. So uh, a little bit of a black eye. But for Rams fans, that it's been a long time since they've been able to taste this uh, since Super Bowl 38, which was also – uh, like I mentioned, 17 years to the day uh, oh, wow. facing the New England Patriots, uh, same day on the Super Bowl. So uh, it's been a long time for them. I don't think they really care how they got there. It's now kind of what's the next thing in front of us, and let's try to go chase that. Yeah, right. I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, they're a very deserving Super Bowl team. I didn't mean it any other way. And if you know an umpire misses a key strike call, people aren't caring about it. Or for refing the NF- NBA doesn't call a foul on Jordan when he should have. You know, I mean, like... There's a human element to this world, and such is life, and it would be really hard to be a Saints fan right now, don't get me wrong, but that shouldn't detract one bit from what the Rams did. Um, two more questions about offense. How do you think Goff played? You know, I think he played very similar to the Dallas game. 
Again, um, you know, he, he did have an interception this game, but he, uh, you know, one touchdown. He ended up going 25 of 40, just under 300 yards. But if you go across the board, he, he out threw uh, Drew Brees in this game, who ended up with 249. So I think he did just enough. But we continue to say this, and we thought we kind of talked about it last week, that he's going to need to do more to kind of win these big-time games. Uh, he's, again, he's, he's doing enough to kind of manage it and also not lose it. He didn't come out here and have a, a bunch of turnovers. He was able to get the ball out when need be. He didn't take dumb sacks. I mean, even looking at the end of the game, that, that pass that he got away to Tyler Higby was incredible. He was basically what I thought in the dirt and probably going down for a sack. He's able to kind of throw it sidearm to Higby to get an extra five, six yards to make that field goal attempt a lot easier at the end of the ball game. So he did a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you're going against you know, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, you're going to have to do everything right. You can't just do some things. You can't do half the game. You know, they came out slow in the first quarter. Um, but I think that's going to go back to how they run the ball. And obviously, Todd Gurley, only four carries in this game. So, that's my next question. Uh, they've got, yeah, they've got a lot to look out <laughs> as far as balance. So kind of just jumping into that, I think it kind of goes back to helping Jared Goff have a good game. And I think that a lot of that goes on the play action. And when we see the run game doing really well for him, uh, Jared Goff plays a lot better. So that's definitely something McVay's going to have to answer a little bit more about this weekend on how that uh, two-headed monster really was almost a one-headed monster with a lot of people going, why is Todd Gurley on the sideline right now? Yeah, right. I mean, I think Anderson's a great story. I'm rooting for him. I don't think he got a fair shake in Carolina or Oakland or maybe even Denver for that matter. And if people don't, I'm not sure I've mentioned this, but obviously his background is with a zone scheme, which is a you know perfect fit, inside zone runner, fresh legs, all that adds up. But unless there's still an injury looming, Todd Gurley's better. <laughs> you know, I mean what are right. we talking about here? Right. And that was the that was the question. Is Todd Gurley hurt at this point? You right. you kind of were were doubting yourself in so many other things because you were thinking if he's healthy, there's no way that you know, they just paid him, what, $40, $50 million guarantee on this massive contract. And in the biggest game of his professional career, you know, he gets four touches on, you know, rushing the football. He did have a bunch of drops earlier in the game, like yeah, two or three, that too. Um, you know, where he looked kind of uh, scattered. You know, mm-hmm. he ended up with one catch for three yards, so he wasn't productive in that case either. So I don't know if it's the coaches saw something. I'm really curious to hear this kind of develop over the next week and, you know, McVeigh kind of talked about it briefly in the press conference, but he said, moving forward, Todd Gurley is going to be a huge part of what we do. It's just in this game, this is what they thought they were getting. Uh, you talked about that zone scheme running and being able to take one cut and go. Uh, they felt comfortable with C.J. Anderson, obviously getting 16 carries to Todd Gurley's four. Uh, neither were really productive as far as yards go. I no, mean, he only no. had uh, 44 yards to, you know, Todd Gurley's 10, but... Um, yeah, something's got to get figured out. I'd like to see a little bit more balance. It felt like we they kind of gave Anderson a series, and then they'd bring him out. Then they'd give Todd Gurley a series. But I'd like to see them intermix throughout a series, you know, get him on for a couple plays, give him a breather, let Todd Gurley come in, have that dual threat of coming out of the backfield as a catcher and the runner. So uh, we'll see how that develops. But so far, they didn't really use the scheme as well as they did in that, giant, or in that uh, Cowboys game. Yeah, and... You mentioned them fighting to catch the ball a little bit in this game, but clearly he's a better receiver. And without the running game going, I thought that was curious. And I, I, I wonder if we're never really. I mean, you mentioned you're excited to hear what McVay says all week. I wonder if he's going to coach speak his way around this. And really, the answer is, Gurley's not a hundred percent. You know, I mean, to me, that's the most logical conclusion here. 
Yeah, and, I, and it kind of goes back to, and it's funny, we're, we're matching up against Bill Belichick, the guy that holds withholds injury information and will, be, will you know beat around a bush on a question more than anybody. So, yeah, coming into this week, I think they're going to hold it very close to their chest as far as health goes, probably continue the answer of, you know, if he's not healthy, he wouldn't be out there. Uh, but, yeah, I see McVeigh, and I, he's not one to kind of ruffle the feathers and kind of hand feed you the greatest answer. He's going to say a lot of the things uh, you would kind of expect from the coach. Everyone played really well, and that was the scheme we thought. And, you know, we had good matchups, and moving forward, we're going to use both of them. And, uh, but, yeah, I'm going to be curious to see kind of that split because, uh, you know, in his first game, it was definitely Todd Gurley about, you know, 60% to, you know, maybe even closer to 55%. Uh, but this was definitely a C.J. Anderson-driven ball game, and and you're right, MVP-type candidate through most of the year. We got to see more of Todd Gurley moving forward. All right, quick little take here. Super Bowl's two weeks away. I've given it. I've given it zero thought, but that Patriot O line held up really, really well. Uh, the the team with the most sacks in the league did not sack Brady. As great as Donald is. He's been a little quiet lately by his standards, while Sue's been really, really good. Do you think they can disrupt Brady? I mean, to me, that's the recipe. Get there with four great interior rushers, but (laughs) Brady's not getting hit. Yeah, I I think that is a huge part of what we're going to be doing. And, and, you know, just looking in this game, we had seven quarterback pressures um, as far as the defense goes, QB hits. So uh, and it still didn't seem like a lot. You know, we, we didn't you know, we had a point in the game where I think we sacked them back to back. and We really were able to drive through and get back there. But it's going to have to be other people than Aaron Donald because he's going to get double teamed. He's course, probably going right. to get triple teamed at some point. Uh, so we need those guys on the second level, whether it's Littleton or Barron, uh, to kind of come through. Ibukum with another big game would be huge. Sue has been playing a lot better, um, but yes. I'd like to see him get in the backfield. So it is going to be Fowler made a big play. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And he's been a huge part of what we're doing lately, and I think he can kind of feel that. This is his chance to get redemption against Tom Brady, who knocked him out last year in the AFC Championship game when he was a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he's got a little redemption on his mind as well. But uh, you're right, getting to Brady and obviously cutting down a couple of his key matchups. I mean, he just seems to go to Edelman all the time. Mm-hmm. Him, him and Gronk really closed out that game for them. So uh, those matchups are going to be huge next week. But, yes, it starts with getting pressure to Brady. And it's going to take more than just Aaron Donald to get that done. Yeah, and I think that your guys cover dudes – Certainly have an advantage today on paper, you know, two weeks away. Um, I, I think the, the slot corner and Talib and even Peters should be able to hold their own. And Gronk isn't what he used to be. And these receivers for the, the Patriots aren't very impressive. But what would worry me is like we saw today is New England coming out with heavy personnel and bullying you. I mean, that line is tough. You're going to get a fullback coming downhill at you. Gronk is almost like a tackle at this point. That Patriot running game would be my major concern right now if I'm the Rams. And, you know, if you're the Rams, you definitely accept that challenge. Two games in a row mm-hmm. where they have not allowed a team over 50 yards. The Saints were held to 48 yards in this game. So uh, they could not get that thing going on the dual-headed monster that they have that we talked about leading up to this in Ingram and Kamara. Uh, 48 yards yeah, combined. Kelly but... last week. I mean, these are good running exactly. games. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's something that the Rams kind of hope that everyone else has to say about them because this is something they've been hanging their hat on is really stopping the run 
run, and that's been helping uh, you know them get off the field in third down because you noticed it even in this game. And, and Drew Brees did a really good job on third down, but they had a lot of third and seven, third and eight, third and ten. Uh, they were able to convert on some of those, but you're not going to really set yourself up uh, for you know dominance or, or you know continued success if you get those long third down conversions. So hopefully that's something the Rams are going to focus on and, and accept as a challenge because you're right this. Uh, New England Patriots rush offense has been pretty impressive over the last couple of weeks. And I obviously think that's going to be something they continue to do, especially when you look at the beginning of the year for the Rams, that was really their struggle point, allowing over five uh, yards of carry earlier in the season, but they've really tightened it up in the playoffs. So it's another matchup. That's going to be fun to watch. Obviously we got two weeks to break it down. So it's yeah. going to be fun talking about all these different things. Absolutely. Brad, you're the man. Let's try to get together between now and kickoff and talk about this more. I really need to get wrap my head around this matchup. But for now, it's great to get both your and Mark's reaction pretty much immediately after the game. A lot of enthusiasm in both your guys' voice. Um, just an amazing day of football. So all you Locked On folks, check out the Locked On Rams podcast, of course. Locked On Patriots. a whole network, obviously. But this is a special time of the year to focus on these teams. And I will be back on Tuesday with Sage Rosenfels, as usual. Uh, great stuff, folks. I mean, this was just an amazing day of football, and I hope you all enjoyed it half as much as me. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. Over and out.